Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Last year, my husband and I traveled to Arkansas for a speaking interview and had a few extra hours to spare. So while we were there, my friend Trisha Goyer picked us up in our large family van and we spent the best evening at their home for dinner and friend and family time. Well, those few hours were the absolute highlight of my trip and made an impression on my heart. I spent time in conversation with each of her children, her adopted children, who are all Goyers and learned so much about them individually. Her children sought out time with me, sharing their foster and adoption picture books, sharing their favorite hobbies, and how much they loved being a Goyer. It was really real life, unscripted, yet it was so raw and unfiltered, and I love those Goyer kids. They write letters to my kiddos now. We love connecting at conventions. I feel like I know those children really well just because they were so open and safe in sharing their adoption stories with me. I got to see the moments that they've lived and the moments that they're living now and what a difference, but their story is unique. And I know not all stories sound and look like this. In fact, I know Trisha's days are very long and hard and exhausting, but here's what I also know. On any given day, there are nearly 438,000 children and youth in foster care. Nearly 110,000 are waiting to be adopted, waiting year after year for their forever home. For children in foster care, the government invests less than 50% of what it actually costs to raise a child, and close to 30,000 will age out of foster care every year and have to be self-sufficient at ages 19, 20, and 21. So today we have our friend Trisha Goyer with us to help us open up this discussion on adoption even more. I'm going to let Trisha introduce herself a little bit here um, today on the Mom to Mom podcast because Trisha is also an author of over 80 books, a speaker, homeschool expert, and a friend. So we want to welcome Trisha to the podcast today. Well, thank you. In September, I remember that night too. It was so much fun. Um, but just to introduce myself, I'm an author of over 80 books. John and I have 10 kids, three biological, seven adopted. Um, I started writing as a young mama with uh, three kids at home, and now I blog and write and speak at conferences, and my grandma lives with us. She's almost 91, so we definitely have a full house. Yeah, and I got to meet your grandma and absolutely love her. (laughs) (laughs) She is a kick. (laughs) She's fun. She is so fun. Um, So today we are so thankful that you're with us, and Jamie and Kate and I um, were excited to gather here today and do this discussion on adoption. And we thought, you know, Trisha can really give us some insight on everyday living and what we can do and how we can pray and the things that we may not think about, especially when it comes to motherhood. So maybe we should just begin today. If you would mind sharing your adoption story with us, I watched your video on your website, um, which is very um, amazing and moving. And I just want to hear from you, you know, the listeners who may not have seen that just to share your adoption story. Yeah, well, first of all, um, I was a single mom. I became a mom at 17. And then when I met and married John, he adopted Corey. So I say we have seven adopted kids. He says we have eight because he adopted Corey (laughs) when we first got married. 
Um, so adoption, like right from the beginning of our marriage was there with that. But then when I say our youngest was about five, my heart started opening up to adoption. There's a lot of talk about adoption from China. I, I met a couple people that adopted baby girls from China and I brought it up to John and he wasn't interested. I was writing. I helped start a crisis pregnancy center, homeschooling the kids. He's like, I don't think that's a good time for us. And so really I just prayed. I brought it up maybe a couple times over the next couple of years but he really wasn't on board. And I think that's one thing is you have to have both people on board before you consider adoption. If you're trying to talk your spouse into it, there's so many hard things about it that it would just be very difficult if you're still trying to talk someone into it as you go along. Yeah. Um, but years later, our youngest one was probably 14 at the time. John brought it up to me. He said, you know what? Um, and he had gone and heard someone speak that talked about, you know, don't wait till you're retired to make a difference and to do something like ask God what he wants you to do now with your life. And as John was praying that he said, you know, he felt God putting adoption on his heart and he remembered me bringing it up. And so we were both on board then and we actually filled out paperwork to adopt from China. We went down that route to adopt internationally because that's kind of what we knew. But right when our paperwork was turned in, the doors closed to a lot of adoptions. They went from 10,000 adoptions a year from China to hardly any. And so I remember being so heartbroken. Our paperwork had been in almost a year and I'm thinking, okay, it's, you know, it's supposed to take 18 months for a match. It was getting closer. And instead I got the email that said, you know what, the adoptions have closed in China. It, it might be five years if ever. And I remember just crying because by this time it had been like five years <laughs> since mm -hmm. I first, well actually more than that, about 10 years since it was first on my heart and then probably two years since John was on board. And I just remember thinking, God, like I don't understand why we're finally both on board and you know, you've closed these doors. I remember just getting in my bed and pulling the comforter on my head and crying. Um, and then finally going, God, I just relinquish it to you remember opening my hands and like whatever child you have for me that is the one we want and it's your plan not mine and just like feeling this peace come over me and it was actually later that day I was taking my grandma to Walmart my cell phone rang and I answered it and it was someone that I knew from mops I didn't even know her very well and she knew because I'd spoken at mops about our hearts being open to adoption and she says my sister has a sister-in-law so it was her brother-in-law's sister that was facing an unplanned pregnancy. She was already, I think, six months along at that point. She was looking for a family. And would we consider adopting? Um, and so we went from that morning getting an email saying five years, if ever, to that afternoon, someone calling me and saying, in three months, would you be willing to take a baby? Um, and so that was, the first one was a private adoption. Um, and we, it was just God's hand. We met this young woman. And like in November, and uh, Alyssa was born in March. So it was mm. that quick, got open the door. And then mm. we ended up moving to Arkansas for family life. And it was while we were down here that we first heard about the needs of kids in foster care. I think before, when you hear about adoption, you hear about international adoption, or you hear about infant adoption. And really, it never even had kind of crossed my radar, foster care. And I remember going to into our church. And they had pictures up on these big panels of kids that were open for adoption. So many kids in foster care, their parents' rights have already been taken away and they're free to be adopted. So it doesn't, like some people think you have to foster for a while and then you might be able to adopt those, which that is the case sometimes. But these kids are just open for adoption. And mm -hmm. so I remember we went to a training 
And uh, within, when Alyssa was about almost three years old, we brought home a two-year-old and a five-year-old. And I thought, okay, that's it, we're good. <laughs> and then years later, um, as I'm working with teen moms at our church and just seeing someone needs to get these girls before they become teen moms or get on their own at 18, 19, 20, I felt God saying, well, what about you? <laughs> and so we adopted four girls between the ages of 11 and 14 from foster care. So in the matter of five years, we went from three kids, two were out of the house, one was almost out of the house, to seven more within the house from the ages of, you know, adopted at newborn all the way to 15 was the oldest we adopted. So our lives completely changed um, wow. in a matter of a few years. And those girls were sibling groups, right? Yes. They were siblings. So, so they were a sibling they, group of four. Well, there's a sibling group of five girls. One had already aged out of foster care and mm -hmm. was married by the time that we met the other four. The other four were in um, high school all the way down to elementary school. Do you have interaction with that other sibling that oh, absolutely. had aged out? Okay. Yes, yeah, she, um, she, we call her our daughter. She's our unofficial daughter. Um, she's here at every holiday and she has two kids and we see her often. I mean, like every couple days we see her and the girls are able to go stay the night at our house and help her with her kids. So she's very much, um, we have her as our unofficial. And then we had another girl that I mentored as a teen mom since she was 15. She's 33 now. That's been a part of our lives every holiday. Like she just adopted herself into our family. So we say we have 10 kids. But our kids, every time I say that, it's like, we have 12, because this one that was, I've mentored as a teen mom, and then, and then Lily's, this older sister, they're just completely, I mean, they're in family photos, like, we do family photos, they're all there, so kids are like, you have 12, mom, I'm like, okay, we, we have 12. Can I ask you, Tricia, in that time when your heart was stirred towards adoption and your husband was not, was there something that you were doing or maybe a prayer that you were praying, um, knowing you had this little seed in your heart, but he wasn't on the same page? Yeah, and it wasn't like I was something I would pray every day, but when I would feel that stirring and I would just pray like, Lord, you know um, the plan you have for our family and you know how large it's supposed to be, you know what our design is for our family. And during that time, like I was helping start a crisis pregnancy center. And so I felt like I was unofficially adopting like this teen mom and other people. So I just prayed that God would show us like his plan for our family. And if it was right, that God would bring us both around and would change John's heart. And like when he changed John's heart, he changed John's heart. Like we went from, he wasn't interested to adopting seven kids. So um, mm -hmm. It was a big change and it had to be at the right time. And there were so many clear signs. Like um, when we knew we had it, we we're going to adopt the girls, it was at a worship service in church. And I remember just crying and just like my heart was open to teenage girls, like teenage girls that don't have someone to be there and encourage them and encourage them towards purity and show them how valuable they are they are and I remember just bawling in the service and I got in the car and I turned to John I'm like we need to adopt teen teenage girls and he's like I know and God had like given him given him the same thing during this service and so it was times when it's really hard because there have been times that have been really hard we just have that unity that God called us to this it was so clear during that time that it was specifically teenage girls and the teenage girls have been our hardest. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, God called us to this. It's not like you made me or you talked me into it or why did you come up with this idea? It was like, God was so good at giving it both of us on our hearts on the same day that that had to be from him because there have been times I've been crying just because it's so hard. Just kids from trauma that don't want to be loved, that push you away, that 
make really bad choices and you're like, why? We love you. And it's, it's just really hard sometimes. I think that's good to remember um, about the unity that you had with your husband in light of all things, not just adoption, that mm-hmm. you, know, you don't have to go and strong arm your husband into a decision that you can just leave it open-handed to the Lord and allow him to do the work. Absolutely. And it was years. It was years, but it was the timing. And I'm so glad we did have that time with our three older kids to raise them to adulthood, to travel to their games, to be with them. You know, just we had that season. It's almost like this is a new season, but we had a good season with just those three and launching them well. And um, I just now looking back, I could see God's hand in it. But um, and when I was first interested, the kids that we adopted weren't even born yet. So, you know, God's like, okay, I have some kids for you, but you have to wait because they're not even born yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good, I mean, God's timing is the most important thing. And I think that's a good way to begin this podcast is just to start right there. Um, you know, walking in that. And one thing that I was really amazed when meeting your children personally and being in your home, um, was that they were very open. Mm -hmm. They, they felt very comfortable talking about their past and their life now and the memories they had. And I was really, um, touched by that because I thought that you had done a great job allowing them to do that, um, that their past isn't just gone now. And mm-hmm. it's not something we don't talk about, but they were very open in how, you know, you work very specifically with them and they felt comfortable talking to me about it and, and how that is their story uniquely. Um, but that, that was a really neat thing when I came into your home. I think the most impressive thing for me watching, you know, cause we do a foster care in our family, but that was a different level of you know, intimacy into mm-hmm. your story that I was able to see instead of just seeing a family that adopts, like they felt comfortable sharing their story with me. Yeah. And I think one thing that helped is one of the first therapists we went to talked about that they need to be able to know their story and see their story and understand their story, the good and the bad. And mm-hmm. so like she would work with timelines with them on like, what was a hard memory, but also what was a good memory? Remember that that fifth birthday party when you had a Dora party and you got because they had good memories there and yeah. you know their mom made bad choices a lot but she had mm-hmm. some good good things that she did too those little little moments and so when you could talk about that they can see the whole picture and it yeah. kind of helps process trauma um, and just understanding like people make bad choices but you know there was good or there's good people in your life and they've had foster parents they lived in a children's home for a while they had a failed adoption and so talking about those things with them actually helps them process it helps them understand their story and you're right like they'll talk to anybody i remember they were helping in the church nursery and this lady comes out and she goes oh my goodness we're going to sign up to be foster parents because your your children <laughs> just hearing their story and they did her and her husband actually because they want people like to consider foster care and to help kids. And um, if Mm. they see kids on the internet, like, oh my goodness, mom, we need to adopt this this kid. I'm like, we cannot take on anymore, but (laughs) you guys continue to talk to people and they they will do that because they know what it was like to feel like no one wants them, to feel like um, that they're not part of a real family. I mean, they would go to school and they would have, you know, Mother's Day and this and that, and they would have their foster parent not maybe come or the mm-hmm. people from the children's home aren't their real family coming and just they remember all those things and so right. they do really like talking about it and encouraging mm-hmm. people yeah well I thought one of the neat things also was that the family that 
I think correct. You correct me if I'm wrong. That foster, they were in foster care before that um, mom had done pic- those picture books. Yes, and I remember thinking, what a neat gift to those children. She knew she probably may not have them forever, but it was a gift she gave to them of those times, so that they could, when they came to their forever home, they they had those because you wouldn't know those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and we we still have contact with a couple of the different foster families, and they did two of the foster families did do a picture book for their time. Um, in their yeah. homes and you know they got moved for different reasons at different mm-hmm. times but mm-hmm. when that came with them or one afterwards found out that about the adoption and had it made and sent to us it was wow. cool to know that that piece of their story because yeah I don't have baby photos or you know right. but she had our little guy when he was two and so it's so cute right. seeing those photos you know yes. when he was two so it's really neat yeah I just loved seeing the joy on their face because mm-hmm. they could show me that you know um so today just let's just jump to the hard stuff real real quickly. Can you just share with our listeners what do you think was the biggest surprise in your adoption journey like the thing you were most surprised about that maybe you didn't expect or um you know just that you weren't thinking could happen yeah and I think the the surprise is that um, you, I mean, even though they tell you that love is not going to solve everything, that when you love someone and, and it almost like they're going to fight it over and over and over again, because they're so afraid of being hurt. So we have mm. one child, especially that um, anytime she feels us drawing clothes, she's going to do something to push us away. And I remember talking to her therapist and she's like, they're like, she's like, the therapist asked, when do you really feel loved? Well, after I'm really, really bad and I'm yelling and mean, and they still come back and tell me that they love me. And the therapist is like, that's very hard on your parents. <laughs> like, I know you feel loved because you get that affirmation, but can we find a different way to do that? Because <laughs> it's yes. really hard for mm-hmm. your parents to deal with this child who's screaming and yelling and cursing mm-hmm. at them, you know? So yep. all the times where she would feel bonded with us, we'd have a really good day it seemed like it'd be a really bad night because she gets so frightened of they're going to get rid of me. They're going to lose me. And anytime she wanted to bond with us, she would fight and push away. And I would say it has gotten better some, but it's been five years and it Mm -hmm. hasn't gotten completely better. Um, Mm -hmm. And we've done tons of counseling, um, tons of trauma therapy. And it's like, you just have to realize like the brokenness of the first years you're never fully going to be able to heal from that. There's just so much there and we can work on it and work on it and get to a better place. But man, especially those first three years, what happens there really, really impacts kids and how they can relate to people their whole lives. Right. I see that in our family. We, you know, you know, our daughter has, um, is adopting her three children and one of the children is the same pattern right now. And she said that she's learned that's the biggest surprise to her as well. Um, there's, especially when there's something special coming up and they're going to have a birthday party, all of a sudden this bad behavior comes out because they don't deserve, they feel they don't deserve it, or they just think it's too special and they want to be loved, um, because they were bad. And it's just an amazing surprise to her. She said, I've had to learn how to, to deal with that because you think, you think that, um, they're going to reciprocate the love you're giving them, but instead it feels like they're pushing it away. Absolutely. And so. anything that like they sabotage something good that's going to happen or right. yeah. it's too overwhelming. Like I remember to celebrate our girl's adoption. Um, we took them all to Disney world. We're thinking this is the best thing. 
It was so, <laughs> like, it was way too much. Like, yeah. first of all, just sensory stuff, Disney World, and then mm. the excitement, and then they don't feel like they should have been adopted. And kids, when they come from a shame-based thinking when they're little, like, they yeah. think everything's their fault. So their mom's behavior was their fault because little kids process things wrong, you know, so it's always right. their fault. And so they don't deserve this. And it's just so hard. So I remember halfway through our day in Disneyland, we had kids, this is the worst day ever and crying and fighting. And I'm like, why did we just spend all this money? <laughs> and it was just too much. We thought this is mm. going to be a great celebration. It was just too much. Um, yeah. So we're learning to, I mean, there's times like we don't even tell them we're going on vacation until it's like we're getting the car because otherwise yeah, you're going to sabotage. Right. And it's going to be a really hard two weeks ahead of time. So yes. there is it's a lot of, a lot of, um, but it goes back to that kids don't know how to process things well and mm. they think they're the fault and they're bad and they don't deserve this and, and so many things. So really the last therapist we've been working with this year has brought so much more healing to our one daughter, especially than any before. And it goes back to that. Mm. Are you getting back to that stinking thinking? And now that she's, uh, you know, 17, she can yeah. see that in herself where when they're little, they yeah. can't even understand that that's where everything's coming from. Mm -hmm. I hope that this particular part of our podcast will help a parent who's thinking mm -hmm. about adoption, not to be fearful of it, but just to not allow this to be a surprise. Like this is a common element of adoption and you're still doing it. So I'm glad that you, you've shared that. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and with my story, we tried to adopt several times and it just fell through, but we were going to do private open adoptions, you know, and one thing we always were concerned about was honoring those biological parents while still keeping that perspective for the kids, but always being honest with, with why they were adopted. So how do you handle that? I mean, how, how much do you tell the children? Do you, do you tell them? I mean, what, what, what do you and your husband do with that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think we handle it differently with different kids. Um, yeah. So Alyssa that we adopted as a newborn, we got her when she's six days old. Hers is a private open adoption. So we try to see her biological mom and she actually has a sister every year. They live in Montana. Um, we will sometimes Skype with them. We send gifts back and forth for her birthday. She gets gifts from them. We send her sister gifts, you know, some Christmas presents. And so she knows them. Um, mm -hmm. She's always known them. She's known that's her biological mom. And we just say, you know, she was already a single mom and she was having a hard time and she just really wanted a family. And I would say, even though Alyssa's 10, that's been a struggle too. Like, why did she choose that? I mean, even though we think we got her as a newborn, she should not have any of these problems. Yeah. She still will have some of those problems. Um, with the older girls, because they remember their biological mom and a lot of family, they remember aunts and uncles and and grandmas now that they they can't get Facebook until they're 13 but once they got on Facebook we saw like a connection with an aunt or you know and it's like they cannot our rules are they cannot contact their biological parents until they're 18 um, because that was the DHS rules that they couldn't because yeah. the, the rights were terminated but you know aunts that they had a special relationship there's not a ton of contact you know maybe a comment on Facebook back and forth um, but their older sister actually two of them now are over 18, they do have that contact. And every time they try to bring it up, you know, like, I don't think they're ready to hear this. <laughs> so let's not talk about it till they're 18. And two of the girls are almost 18 in like five months. And so it is, it's like, you try to protect them. There's really hard stuff they faced, but when they're 18, 
they can deal with it, you know, and, and they know who they are, they know where they live, you know, <laughs> so it's really hard. Um, with our younger two that we adopted from foster care, they were so young that they don't really, they don't have memories of their biological parents and they really don't ask a lot of questions. Um, the older one's 13 now. And, you know, it's, it's just when they bring it up, I will talk to them about it yeah. and um, have those conversations. My little guy would think that one of his foster moms was his mom, like Miss Christina, that was my mom. I'm like, well, that was one of your foster moms, but I don't give them, I think more information than they're ready for. So yeah. I just, I, I just corrected him like, Hey buddy, that was your foster mom. She loved you and cared for you. And she was a really nice lady. And yeah, she made you this photo book, but I don't go into like, this is what happened. And this is who it was. Cause I think when they're ready to hear those stories, we can talk about them, but don't try to give too much information before they're ready to process it. Yeah. What about for your biological kids? What has that relationship been like for them and their adopted siblings? And what was there some difficulty and transition there? How do you how do you make them still feel very connected and 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 special while also doing the same for your adopted kids? Yeah, and I, I think that is a huge challenge because um, well, two were out of the house already when we started adopting. Well, one was back and forth, she would be away at college and then came home for college. So she was there when Alyssa was there. Our older son got married when Alyssa was a baby. So he's always kind of been out of the house. Um, but he, my grandkids are, so his son and our youngest son are only nine months apart. So they're like friends, they're like buddies. Um, and so I would say with that older one that has kids, my kid's age, it's almost like my grandkids are my kid's friends. And I think that's been hard. It's been hard to try to find like grandma time with them when they just run and run over and play with their aunts and uncles. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want to do something with grandma? And it's like, they're just playing. So it is a different type of relationship than me just taking time with my grandkids because you have kids that, and probably September is like nodding. Like it's this whole different thing. It's like more of a friendship thing. And we still do a lot of stuff as a family, but it is not like you just get that special grandparent kid time. Um, and then um, my daughter lives in Europe. So she is a missionary there and teaches at a university there and has a baby. And almost every day we video call and she, we, so she'll talk to her siblings. She comes home for like a month at a time, which is really good. So she's a really good mentor, big sister type of thing. And then our youngest son, he lived at home for probably five years with them. And he's been like the, they bonded with him before they bonded with us. So he had the video games in our his room that they would go and play video games with him. He would like take them out for ice cream or snow cones. So he's been like super great to have this like adult that's responsible when they felt like they couldn't come to us type of relationship. But we've talked to him before. We're like, this was really hard on you. He's like, yeah, because all of a sudden mm -hmm. we have kids in trauma and this going on and he'd see how they'd act and how they treat us. And that was hard. So even though like he's been a rock for us. I know it's been like his last of his teen years and his early college years were, were, he had a lot going on in the house. So, I mean, it's just, it is hard. Any kids, whether they're older or younger, it is going to impact them. And it's even impacted the one we has had as a newborn. All of a sudden she had all these big kids and this trauma. And so, I mean, it's impacted all of our kids, but I would say like all of them say we're thankful for adoption. Um, you know, we're thankful that they're part of our family. So no one's ever said like, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Everyone says that's been hard. 
but it's been worth it and we're thankful mm. and they're part of mm. our family and they're their siblings and it's so fun to see like my son who's 31 come over and even though he has a son that's nine he'll like body slam my 10 year old and they're like wrestling mm. and it's like this brother relationship I'm like okay don't hurt your brother <laughs> you know there's like 21 years age difference so it's cool to see like they build their own unique relationships with each other too mm-hmm. imagine the world change that would take place if we moms did the knee-bending work of prayer for our homes if we spent just as much time praying as we do providing perfect childhoods, perfect days, perfect dinners. Our kids need perfection, that's true, but it won't ever be found in us. That's a gift only Jesus can lavish on them. If Kate, September, and I could encourage you in just one thing, it would be prayer. Nothing will be more powerful in the life of your kids and in your relationship with them than bringing them to the throne of the all-powerful one who can move heaven and earth on their behalf. To help direct your thoughts to specific prayer points found in Scripture, we've put together a month-long series of prayer cards called 30 Days of Prayer for My Child. Each card contains a prayer theme, a verse that correlates with that theme, and a brief sample prayer to help you call upon God to be faithful to His Word in light of your kids. To grab a set of your own, head to September & Co. Shop on Etsy. Pray for your kids today, because if you're not praying for them, who will be? So we were talking about the differences between foster and adoption, and had you ever considered doing just foster um, care and not adoption, or had you always known you wanted to do just adoption? Because that's like a life forever change Mm -hmm. for your family. You know, it changes your family forever. Um, was there a time because you did do some foster care, right? Well, what, what it is in the state of Arkansas, and I think it's a a lot of other states too, you are adopting from the foster care system. So you are considering fostering them. So for Mm -hmm. six months for the little kids, nine months for the bigger girls, we were considered their foster parents with plans to adopt, but Mm -hmm. we still had to go through all the foster training. Um, so we, right from the beginning, we knew we wanted to adopt from foster care just because in just in the state of Arkansas, there's like 650 kids that were already open for adoption. So Mm. even though there was a need for foster parents, and there's always a need for foster parents, we knew that these were kids that knew they were open for adoption, and that Mm. wanted to be adopted. And so that's the route we went. We never really talked about just doing foster care, because we kind of heard about that first, like there's all these kids, and they're they're Mm -hmm. available. um, And they like they get their photos taken knowing that this is what it's for to show parents mm-hmm. to adopt them they have mm-hmm. in, in little rock they have um they call um, project zero is a big organization and they do disney extravaganza where parents like come and look at kids like mm. all the kids have wristbands and they're there's carnival mm. games but there's parents and they're kind of looking at kids and so mm. just that whole feeling like mm. they know that their photos going out there they know that people are looking at them it just like broke my heart like we need that's who yeah. I want to adopt um but we have friends that have done foster care one is a single lady in the first day her house was open she got four different calls from caseworkers wanting her to take placement so there's a huge need there there's a right. huge need to adopt kids that are already open so both of them are huge needs we just went the adoption route 
Okay, right. So for those listening that are maybe considering adoption, you know, they're praying about it, you know, I think a few things you've said have really struck us, um, stuck out to me. And one of those is it's not always in our timing. Sometimes we have to wait, you know, a considerable amount of time for you. It was years. Um, but I wonder if you can just kind of share some of the things that you've had to do in addition to adopting, um, like seeking out counseling Mm -hmm. or trauma help, or what are some of those things we may not even be aware of that you've had to do in addition to your normal everyday life of raising children? Or the financial piece, because taking on seven additional kids that, you know, wasn't a part of your original budget, how does that work? And yeah, so I was going to talk about that first, because yes, and then I'll talk about the other stuff. So one thing with our private adoption, we paid out of pocket, like, so we had money saved up that went to our private adoption, pay the lawyers, the home study, all of that. And so when we were looking to maybe adopt again, John's like, we cannot afford to, we did this once and it was a lot of money. And a friend from mm-hmm. where he works said, you know, you don't have to pay to adopt from foster care, um, that the state covers all those fees. And in some cases, you'll continue to get medical for them, which we get medical on all the kids we adopted from foster care. And in some cases, you'll get subsidies for them also to help pay like what they would pay a foster parent. And those are usually either it's a special needs or a sibling group, because they're so hard to place. So they'll just say you like, we'll help you because we know taking on a big sibling group would be a huge financial. So the state until they're 18 will continue to help you with that. So a lot of people like, like Jamie was saying, how can we afford this? Which thankfully my husband has a great job because above and beyond what we would get, it's, we had to get a bigger car. Like, you know, our house is, uh, I mean, just electricity. I mean, all the stuff and clothes and food. I mean, it's a Mm -hmm. lot for that many kids. Um, In some cases, the state does help with that and all the medical and like all their medications. And that's one thing, medications, some of our kids have ADHD. One of our daughters has an autoimmune disease and I'm looking at these bills, which thankfully the state covers, like there's Mm. no way we would be able to pay for these medications. And then um, right away, our social worker was so great about getting them in a really good place that does trauma therapy with kids. And so she's like, this is, there's a lot of places to do therapy. You're going to go on the waiting list here and you're going to wait. I'm like, okay, yes, ma'am. You know, she knew that that's where we needed to be. We've done speech therapy. We still do Um, occupational therapy um, physical therapy. We took, um, our three youngest kids are dyslexic. And so they get speech therapy, which I didn't know speech therapy also is for reading. I had no idea. Mm. I thought it was just speaking. We found that out. Mm. Um, so our private insurance pays for a private therapist to come to our house. And then we took them to the eye doctor and two of them, he's like, they have tracking issues, which is another reason why they can't read. Um, and so they did eye therapy. I'm like, how many therapies do we have <laughs> to do? And I'm so thankful we have wonderful Christian ladies. Um, one's a speech therapist, one's an occupational therapist. They're in our house probably eight hours a week, um, mm-hmm. eight to 10 hours a week. And they come and they take a kid at a time. And, and it's stuff like reading with them, but also occupational therapy, helping them read a recipe and helping them like one of our daughters, she'd cook and she'd pour vanilla in a teaspoon and she'd do this because the mm. occupational therapy, you don't realize that the, just the, the, the hand skills you need for little things, you know, um, handwriting, all these little things that I did not even think about. Mm. And with homeschooling, um, also, you know, 
my older three, I taught them. They learned, we moved on. They went to college, they did great. And all of a sudden I'm like, why are these kids not reading? And why are we struggling with this? And how come they're, and it's all, all that stuff when they were younger that they went through. And even um, in utero, you don't even know what was going on that you're having to deal with. And so I'm so thankful that God has brought amazing people into our lives who are at our house and that are helping and doing all these things. Um, and I think that's one, another thing that was kind of surprising. We were used to living just me and my husband and our three kids, and this is what we do. There are people in and out all the time. <laughs> and it's like, you have to right. trust in a community because you need a community. It's not just, I cannot do it all on my own. And so even in our local area, there's a, a a foster and adoption organization they do weekly I mean not weekly they do uh, yearly retreats they have monthly mm. zoom trainings they have all this so we've had to connect in a community that we didn't even know existed and that we've had to depend on other people way more than with our other three we just kind of did our own thing and now I'm like okay I need these people <laughs> yeah Yes. So your life has um, drastically changed. And we talk about all the changes and, you know, it is work and it's an investment. Um, I, I would be so encouraged and I know others because I know you, Trisha, really well. I think if you could just share how adoption has, how do you see the gospel more Mm -hmm. clearly and how it impacts your life daily? Um, You know, we all talk about how motherhood is sanctifying. And I feel like this is just another um, area of, you know, how we can see ourselves in the light of the gospel, you know, by adopting. And I wondered if you could just give some moms some encouragement in that and make it personal. Yeah. You know, and I always thought, I mean, like you said, mother, motherhood is sanctifying anyway, but after raising the first three, I'm like, oh, I, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I don't really lose my temper. They all homeschooled well, they went to college. And so you could almost get like, I got this. Or, you know, even when we went to the adoption training, I'm like, I've been a mom for 23 years. I don't even know why I need to go to this training. And I remember the first day I went to trauma therapy with our daughter, who was five, who was raging daily. And it was a 24-year-old intern named Brittany. And she, I'm like, Brittany, tell me what to do with this child. It was just like so humbling to go from, I've got this, I've raised three kids to asking this 24 year old intern, like, what do I do to stop this child from Mm -hmm. raging? And so really it's been such a humbling thing. And then even with God, like all the times where I'm like, I'm just trying to love you or just listen to me. I want the best for you. I hear God saying, yes, I'm Mm -hmm. saying that. I'm saying that to you, or this is my heart for the world because it is, it's like, I want the best for you. And you just keep turning away or you're turning your back on me or wanting to do your own thing, even though it's going to lead to your destruction. I remember telling my one of my daughters, I'm like, I just feel like you're running toward this cliff and I could see the cliff there and I could see where your choices are taking you. And I'm just trying to catch you and grab you and hold you and pull you towards me. And you just like keep fighting me. And that's what God is doing, saying to us all the time. Like I have my best for you and I want this and you just want to do your own thing. And so truly it has been the gospel. And, and when um, in James, it talks about um, pure religion is this to care for the orphans and the widows. I can totally understand it because it is, you have, you're heartbroken, but then your love is like unexplainable. Like one of my daughters went and stayed with her older sister for a couple days. And I'm like, can you bring her home? Cause I really miss her. Like mm. it's this love that you can't explain for this child that didn't come from you 
but also some days it's like so hard that you're like, oh my word, why did I do this? It's just like this back and forth thing, but truly mm -hmm. it is the gospel of God because it is giving yourself to another person and sometimes they do not even want it or reciprocate it, um, but it's just truly mm -hmm. his love flowing through us. And God has such a heart for adoption. You know, we're, if we're not um, Jewish by genealogy, but we are a believer in Jesus, how that love for people, for him to graft us into his family and adopt us through the blood of his son. There's so many parallels there. As I'm yeah. hearing you, Tricia, I, I, I have to be honest, I'm just getting tired listening. <laughs> it, you know, all the things that you have to do and, and the commitment that you've taken on on so many levels, you know, emotional and physical and spiritual. I'm wondering uh, maybe two things. How do you get time for yourself? Because you're a writer. So, you know, you have this whole career plus you homeschool. How do you get time for yourself? And then, and then secondly, um, what do you wish that as, as moms are listening to this podcast today, what do you wish that moms specifically knew more about adoption in light of your story or the stories of those that you've seen around you who have adopted? What do you wish they would know? Yeah. So to answer your first question, like I need my quiet time in the morning. Like I need my Bible. I need my journal. I need my prayer time, like just to get myself centered every day. So I'm usually up, you know, hours before them, just getting that time. Sometimes I could get a little work time in also. And then art, I've discovered art recently, like during this, this crazy quarantine time when, you know, I'm like, I just need to like draw and paint, which I never was like that, but it's something that's been feeding me where just like gets me relaxed where I'm not having to deal with all this stuff all the time. And I've really had to lower my standards in so many ways like there's a pile of laundry in the laundry room I didn't even look at all weekend like there's I used to have like the clean house and this is our homeschool schedule now I'm like okay we're gonna make it through the day I'm not gonna worry about the floor needs to be vacuumed I've just had to lower my mm -hmm. standards so much and realize like what's really important so time with family um talking with friends me and my husband have conversations every night about what's going on like we're totally sounding boards with each other time to sit down and draw even though i have other stuff that needs to be done like just letting those other things not burden me like they used to and just totally mm -hmm. lowering my standards because mm -hmm. i cannot like i remember my husband i'd just be so overwhelmed at first he's like did you really think we could take on seven children and that you'd be able to keep a clean house. And I'm like, I, I guess I did. <laughs> because <laughs> I would just, yeah. and now it's like, and my friends that truly are my friends, um, they'll come over. I'm like, step over the shoes. There's stuff all over the, you know, homeschool stuff's a lot. And they don't care. Like your true yeah. friends will not care. And they totally know. And it's not a huge thing. So I don't even know why I felt like I had to be that way. But I've, that's helped me. Like, I'm not even worried about it. I'm doing what God asked me to. And then, yeah, I think one thing that I hope other like moms know about adoption is that you don't feel like you have to be a perfect mom to consider adoption mm -hmm. um, and that God will give you what you need for the day. Um, so even when we brought home kids and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like this was so hard and they're two and five. Like, how are we going to handle all the therapies? It's like, you don't have to think about all the years to come. It's just that day, God will give you what you need for the day. And I think if you know an adoptive or foster mom, like just an, an encouraging note 
And I remember one lady from church, we didn't even know her that well. And um, we had just brought the four girls home maybe a couple months earlier. She came and she gave us like this $50 Domino's pizza card and a card that said, great job. I just want you to have a night where you don't have to cook dinner. And I just like started bawling. I'm like, oh my gosh. Cause like she saw us mm-hmm. and she saw like, all these kids and we're trying to get them to their classes, <laughs> you know, this whole thing. And I feel like I've, I'm so frantic at times. And she's like, you're doing a good job. Sometime this week, you don't have to make dinner. It was like just being seen in that moment was awesome. So I think just knowing that and then just be willing to like, how are you really doing? Or what can I pray for you about? And I have some friends that I hardly even see them and they'll text me like, I'm praying for you today. How are you doing? I'm like, oh my gosh, you didn't even know I needed prayer. So Mm. if you feel God nudging your heart to pray for someone or just encourage them, just know that they probably need it in that moment. And don't be afraid to like reach out, even if it's just like, I'm thinking of you and I'm praying for you because that makes a huge difference. Adoption or otherwise, you know, if that comes, yeah, any mom, comes to any your mom mind, we all could, nobody's ever said, I've been way too encouraged today. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Amen. I love that. Trisha, other than prayer and pizza, which are both, you know, important for moms, but for those of us that aren't in the adoption world, how can we support you? I mean, you're dealing with, you know, the, the, the adoptive parents are dealing with so many things with trauma that you've talked about that your kids have gone through. The, the, the visits maybe to the, to the birth parents, the education, just dealing with all the things that you deal with. How can those of us, how can we support adoptive parents? What, what can we do other than, what, can, what are some practical things that we can do to support you? I mean, prayer is obviously important and providing meals, those are great things, but what are some other things that we can do that really can help support the adoptive parents in our lives? Because we all know people that have adopted. We've all admired them. We've all thought about adopting. I mean, I tried and just it wasn't the path that God chose for me. But what are some things that we can do? How can we help? Yeah, I had a friend. So one of my friends, she was um, a single lady and she just took three of my girls for the day and she took them to her house. She did manicures. They watched like a chick flick movie and my girls had the best time. So things like that, or, um, our neighbors next door, um, our son did his t-ball for the first time this year. They showed up at his game with two of their grandkids. They're an older couple. And I'm like, that was so huge for them to go, yes, we, Casey, we're going to come to your game. And when they showed up, I'm like, oh my goodness, they came to his game when they sat there. So letting kids, because, you know, we're trying to love all these kids all at one time. (laughs) So if other people can step in and do something, Mm -hmm. um, take them Mm -hmm. after church and, you know, for the afternoon and take them to lunch. And I mean, any of those types of things. Um. We, we've gone out to lunch with people before and they like picked up the bill. We're like, this is a lot of money. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. like, nope, we got it. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like that was huge. Um, oh, so another thing, my Bible study at um, BSF or no CBS. So community Bible study. I was like the youngest one in the group. They were mostly retired women and they were talking about doing um, a luncheon after one of our Bible study mornings. And I said, well, I'm not going to go because all these kids, like I'm taking six kids with me and to take six kids to lunch because they were going to this like buffet place. I'm like, I, I'm just not going to go. And I didn't like make a big deal about it. But the next week when we came to Bible study, like we all talked and we decided that each one of us is going to pay for one of your kids. Oh, so sweet. all these sweet little retired ladies, they wanted our kids to be there. And so it was me with my six kids 
all these sweet retired ladies and then they're like I'm buying your lunch and I'm and so they actually like showed which kids what lunch they're buying and you get anything you want and did you want a dessert with that and I was like I know like they're retired and don't they don't have a lot and yeah. for them to do that, it was just like one of the m- most meaningful things to me. And I, you know, after that, I'm like, I probably should pay because I know I probably have more in my bank account than they do, but I didn't because I knew it meant so much yeah. to them to pay for them. And it was just a sweet moment for my kids to see that they were being loved on and they were able to love on my kids and they were hugging at the end. And I'm like, okay, that was so worth it. I'm so glad. So mm-hmm. any of those things where you just like show a mom, like, let me do something with one of your kids or um my neighbor also took all my girls and did an art day with them and they did painting in her garage it's like any of those things are super meaningful because I'm like trying to piece myself out to them all the time that's beautiful I love it you know Trisha I was thinking before we close today it would be really special if you could share how amazing it has been for you to be able to share salvation and the gospel Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm children who had never maybe even heard about God and what he can do to change their life beyond what you can do um, to have adopted them, like the power of um, the gospel. And, and so I wonder if you could just, maybe you have a story or something that was uh, very special to you and you've been able to see the transforming power and introducing them to faith. Absolutely. So I mean, when I speak at homeschool conferences, I always talk about, you know, if the rabbit trails ever get on God, like let them go down those rabbit trails. And sometimes it's more like, it has always been with my kids, like, well, what about this? And what about King David this? It's just like simple questions, but it's important. I remember one day we were supposed to be doing math. My daughter's like, well, how do you know God is real? And how do you know the Bible is true? And I'm like pushing the math books to the side. And she was 11 at the time. And we just like, I was able to share the gospel with her. And she's like, I've never thought about that. Can I ask God into my heart? And so in an ordinary school day, we ended up praying and she accepted Christ and she ended up getting baptized probably three months later. But I thought like that moment God gave me where all the stuff in the past didn't matter. All the hard stuff we've had to deal with didn't matter. And that moment I was able to share Jesus with her. Um, share the truth of the gospel that God loves her that God has a plan for her that life is hard but look what he's done for her now and it was the middle of an ordinary day that you know she accepted Christ and I took a picture of her mm-hmm. and I love that picture because her face is just like glowing and here's this right. 11 year old yeah. that's been through so much and has had the gospel and all of our even our little kids got baptized um, last December and just like oh my goodness like they were they've had failed adoptions and they've had such hard stories and that Mm -hmm. God had a good plan for them. So that's, it's been amazing that God has given us that gift to be able to share it with our kids. And they're in our home for a reason. They're in our home to hear his gospel and hear about his love. And as difficult as as it is, how he could, they could see his love through us, even on very hard days. And um, they'll, they'll say that like, mom, like, how can you do this? Especially when other, one of the other kids is acting up like it's only God, like God through me. And they're able to see that and it becomes real in their lives. And not that they are perfect or make perfect choices. Like none of our kids are, but that they can see and hear about God makes all the difference. Yeah. I think that's the best way to end our podcast today. Um, 
I just feel very honored that we could have you as a guest here at the, on the podcast. I know Jamie and Kate agree. We know your time is precious. Before we close, um, do you have a verse or maybe just a, one last word of encouragement to moms that are maybe considering or parents considering adoption or maybe they're considering it now that they've heard our podcast? And also, before we close, just share some of the new projects you're working on um, that our listeners would love to hear about. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the verse going back to James, I think it's 124, pure religion is this to care for the orphans and widows. And so anytime I'm like, ah, oh, this is so hard. It's like, no, this is pure religion. This is truly God's heart. And like I mentioned, my grandma lives with us too. So like we have the orphans and the widows, like she's 91. Mm-hmm. And like last night, I'm like, I could hear her in the middle of the night getting up. And it's like, that is what God loves. And that's, that's, that's his heart. Um, so that anytime I'm discouraged, I keep going back to that. Um, and then for my projects, my one of my books that I actually wrote with my kids, which is super fun, is The Grumble for Year. Um, and so we were dealing with so much grumbling in our house that we decided to take on the challenge of trying to go a year without grumbling, which of course <laughs> we did not go a year without grumbling, but we improved a lot. And so mm-hmm. their photos are in the back and they're, I mean, they're, they all have, um, you know, pseudonyms in the book, but they are, they love at conferences. They're like, do you want me to sign your book? And you know, so <laughs> they were so part of the journey of how we learned to have gratitude instead of grumbling. And then I also, um, I've been homeschooling for 26 years and um, with so many people new to homeschooling, I have a new course called um, Homeschool Success and you can find it at homeschoolsuccesscourse.com. And I just did 10 videos of all the basics from homeschool laws, teaching multiple kids at once, how to pick a curriculum that you'll really use, and just me with my slides doing videos, basic basics if people just want to know how to get started. Um, And that's just homeschoolsuccesscourse.com. So I'm always trying to encourage and help people and um, whether it's adoption or not grumbling or homeschooling, Mm -hmm. I like to be a support for people because I know that there were those people that were support for me. So I love to just help people. Thank you. Well, that's what we love about you, that you've taken the things that you're living and you've made them available to us, um, which we're excited that people can find you at trishagoyer.com. Right. Yep, Is that that's right? It. Yeah. And um, we hope that after everyone listens to the podcast, that they'll share it with a friend. Thank you, Trisha, for being on our podcast today. And we want to let all of you that are listening know that as we end and wrap up, Um, the month of October, we're looking forward to some special guests on keeping Christ in Christmas and maybe some special episodes on productivity hacks coming up um, that we're really excited to share with you. We also want to encourage you to go to our Instagram and our website, momtomompodcast.com to view our new mom prayer cards for you and your children. They seem to be a hot item right now. And we're really excited about them. They're beautiful. And we hope that you will find them to be a valuable tool in your motherhood. So we're excited about season three and all of the episodes that we have coming up, special guests, special features. If you have a topic that you would like us to talk about, we encourage you to send us a message and let us know. But in the meantime, we'd hope that you'll go find um, Trisha and her new homeschool course at homeschoolsuccesscourse.com and um, leave her a message and thank her for being our guest here today.